0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. It is Sunday night. Uh, You'll be hearing this Monday. And uh, we are recording here in Toronto, Toronto, as they say here. Um, Joining us is Warriors B writer, Nick Friedel.
1: B, good to be with you as always.
0: Uh, Nick has to be up very early in the morning to do television. Um, I had to be up early today to do television.
1: Hey, it's awesome. It's the cool part of our job. Um, I get up early, no problem. And
0: I was walking over to the arena today, and I walked past like five or six people, and one of them was um, underneath a tarp playing cards on the ground. And there's a lot of, unfortunately, like many large cities, there's a lot of homeless around. And I was looking at him, and I was like, he doesn't look very homeless. And I was like, why are those five people standing there? And I realized... They were in line for Jurassic Park, five of them, at 7.30 this morning. And I heard that they had, the, the people, the guy in the front had actually been there since Friday. And he had a whole tent and everything set up. <clears throat> That's bizarre. Also joining us is our Toronto Raptor specialist, uh, Tim Bontemps. Hello, Brian. Nick, I just want to point something out here. Tim, as is well known on this pod, predicted that the... Don't jinx it. That the Los Angeles Lakers have missed the the playoffs in October. Made another prediction at least a month ago, maybe six weeks ago about the Toronto Raptors. I just want to tell you that it's close.
1: Timmy B, we need to get him to Vegas. Get the numbers rolling. It's not done
0: yet. It is not done yet. But the fact, stop trying to jinx it
1: at this point. The fact that it's because the, the Lakers thing, I was more with you on in. Going back in time, the Lakers thing I saw I saw where your head was, the Raptors beating the Warriors. I I just did not see, and no matter what happens, no matter what happens from here on out, credit to the Raptors for having the emotional.
0: To no, 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 <laughs> no, no. no. I, I was I was getting that at the end. I was I
1: was going to gear up to that, but credit to the Raptors for having the emotional toughness that they have because. Timmy and I have been talking about this for two days now. I have not been able to watch Toronto as much during the year because I've obviously been yeah. watching the Warriors. To see the way this team performs when things aren't going their way, a lot of teams roll over, they don't. And so not only do uh, all the, the front office, Masai, uh, Nick Nurse, the players, they all deserve credit. But to watch that group come together like this has been impressive. And and Timmy deserves all the credit that potentially comes his way if and when this thing ends. Because I, I just don't know anybody, anybody who thought all the way through Toronto would get to this point, on the precipice of of pulling it off, can we can we just save all the bonkers praise, Hahn. the victory lap
2: for? I'm Bantams not for the, I'm not making I'm not a saying lap. you are. It's I'm just very saying clear. I'm letting I'm letting Brian and, and Nick know. Let's let's push that to the end. And can we, It sounds like Nick is just conceded
1: defeat here that the Raptors will win the title. I still believe the Warriors have it within them. Oh my God. I, I do. I, I believe they have it within them to do it.
3: You can both think the Warriors have you, a chance you, to win and not think they're going to win. But I, I, think I would add said. this,
1: which is, which was very obvious to me after game four and we were all there. That was as quiet as that Warriors locker room has been all season. Those guys dressed and got out of there as quickly as they have all year. And all the confidence and the bravado that was still there after the game three loss, when KD didn't come back in game four, and they kind of looked around on the floor and they thought, well, where is the answer coming from? Because Kawhi started knocking down those shots. I mean, my God, guys, the 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 looks on the Warriors when is knocking down those shots, Warriors fans and Oracle, the Raptors fans that were going crazy uh, inside Oracle on Friday night. All those emotions piled up. No, Andrew Hahn. I don't believe that the Warriors will now win this series. But I don't think any team that's gotten to this point who has been to five straight finals can be written off completely, uh, which is uh, what a lot of people are starting to do given the way that Toronto has played lately.
0: Well, the thing about the setup with the, with the 2-2-1-1-1 finals is this is specifically designed to give the quote-unquote underdog a chance in Game 6. Now the, we all know that the Warriors were not the underdog. However, they had the lesser record, so they 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 were they didn't have home court advantage. I guess maybe I shouldn't say underdog. The team has the lesser home court advantage. If a series, if this series, for example, this game five was being played in Oracle, even if the the Warriors won, then they'd still be coming on the road to Toronto as it used to be. Now. If the Raptors win this game, I'm sorry, if the Warriors win this game and extend, now we've got a tremendous situation here because they're going home um to for Game Six. Now the this this change was made in two thousand fifteen was the first year this happened. And the Cavs went home uh down three two. But that Cavs team was very depleted and the Warriors had sort of overpowered them and got him in game six. The next year, two thousand sixteen Going home, the Cavs had the momentum because they did what the Warriors would be doing right now, which would be winning game five and going home. And then all of a sudden, you give Durant more time. So <clears throat> while the, the Raptors are holding it in their hands, we haven't had a game six the last two finals. Raptors are holding it right here. If the Warriors somehow get through, and we'll talk about Durant in a second, if the Warriors somehow get through and get it back home the 22111 thing favors them to get it to a game 7. It puts them in position to do that. So really this game even though the raptors are up 3-1 with the way the series is designed they could do it. They you know and and we know that the warriors have it within them. But we cannot ignore the reality that there is now seven consecutive games where the warriors have trailed by double digits. And they completely outclassed the blazers the blazers are nowhere near the team that the uh, that the raptors are obviously but they've been getting handled for a while here the the loss of durant showed up throughout the blazers series they were able to overcome it they can't overcome it in this series right now
3: yeah, I mean, the the thing about the Warriors, right, is that we go back to the Western Conference finals when they were playing the JV, essentially, in the Blazers. And no disrespect to the Blazers, right? They had a great season. they are the JV, but no disrespect. No, no disrespect, well, but, the but they're the no, junior varsity He could have called the freshman team. I, I right. could have. Now, here's the thing. (laughs) Uh, They had a great season, obviously. They get into the playoffs without Yusuf Nurkic. Nobody thought they were going to beat the Thunder, right? They then go beat the— Okay, you don't have to to go through their season. Right, so they have a nice nice season, but they should not have been in the Western Conference Finals. They were not a conference final-worthy team. That's correct. They had a very fortunate path, and they took advantage of it. And Golden State went through that series. They were down 17 points, I think, what, each of the final three games of that series. They came back and won them all because they knew they had to try for like eight minutes, and they could win, right? And I think the three of us talked about it, that if they played like that in this series, it could very well be 3-1 Toronto after four games. And that's basically what's happened. They have been nowhere near as good as Toronto for the vast majority of the series. It was really just the second half of Game 2 and part of really the first quarter of Game 3, or Game 4, I mean, that they were the better team. Toronto's been better 13 of the 16 quarters in the series. So, yeah, it shouldn't really be that big a surprise that we're sitting here right
0: now. This series reminds me, you know... um, Tim, at the start of the series, was talking about the 2011 finals. He felt like that was, um, you know, that Dallas team was extraordinarily, even though it was their first time in the finals, that Dallas team was very experienced, Uh, a lot of veterans on that team. Uh, Dirk, who was at the top of his game, just like Kawhi's at the top of his game. Dirk was not Kawhi, but he was playing awesome. It was his time. And even though the Heat were the overwhelming favorites you know, Dallas sort of walked them down. They were behind early in the series and Dallas sort of walked them down. I agree, I agree. see but one of the things that I'm seeing, this series kind of reminds me of the 2004 finals, which was when Detroit beat the Lakers. The Lakers were the favorite. The Lakers won game two. Detroit won game one. The Lakers won game two on a ridiculous three by Kobe. The three that Iguodala hit was not ridiculous, but it was surprising that he made it. Um, but as the series kept going on, it was clear that Detroit had was just flat out the better team in that series. Had LA won Game Five and sent it back home three two, things would have been different. So the the switch on that is why this may not go. But I will say that when when you look at Durant, something interesting today. So let's just recap what happened today. So. Today, Sunday, the practice day, they announced that Durant is going to be is going to practice. Durant does not show his face during the open media session of practice. He goes, I think he went to the practice court. I don't know for sure, but he went with the with the Warriors trainer to the
1: Rick Celebrini
0: and did whatever he did on the practice court. Then he came out to the main floor as soon as the media left. So the media didn't get to see him do anything but walk. I have no idea what he did out there. When he came out, he was one of the first guys off the court,
1: right? Sean Livingston came out first. Right. And then Kevin. And and I'd add this, I had gone to the restroom and I'm walking back. TMI. Part of the deal. Everybody everybody's got to go. I walk back and I see Kevin. I'm like I'm looking down at my iPhone. I'm like, "What time is it?" Cuz the Warriors they had a very long film session. Very long. After their media session. So the media is just sitting on the floor looking at my man Raymond Ritter popping jumpers. Uh, It it
0: was a 45-minute film session, which is, you know, a little bit unusual at this point.
1: So I walk back and I see Kevin and I'm going, what time is it? And B, when you go back and process the the events of the day, tops – Whatever Kevin was able to do, and and remember, when Steve Kerr talked to the, to us, he said, we're hopeful that Kevin will be able to participate in some more game-like conditions against the younger guys, which I took to mean like the Damian Lees and Marcus Derricksons and guys who aren't on the active roster but who have been traveling and practicing with the Warriors. Kevin Durant couldn't have been on the floor more than 20, 25 minutes well, that's, but here's doing the thing. anything.
0: Here's the thing. The, the veterans weren't practicing. Right. They came out wearing full sweats. They were not doing anything. They were sitting watching Durant. Now, Durant did have ice on his leg, so he definitely did something. What I found interesting about the ice on his leg, what did, did you see the ice on his leg?
1: There were two ice packs. One was at the bottom of his right calf, and the second one was on
3: his right Achilles.
0: So what does that tell you about this injury?
3: Tell me that it's uh, at least somewhat related to his Achilles. I, I
0: I mean, they have not announced what they've said. All they've said is that it is a mild calf strain. That's the only thing they've ever said about it. We didn't know where on the calf it was. Kevin's calf is about two feet long. <laughs> um, if his calf is, um, Andrew is demonstrating, how long is your calf muscle? Two feet? His must be four feet then. Um, <clears throat>
2: I've had no complaints.
0: Oh, excuse me. Another TMI. Um, the uh, the One of the reasons why he would be so cautious coming back from this, not even him, but the trainers would be, because if his calf injury is in the lower part of the calf, it potentially could compromise his Achilles tendon. And if you go out there with a weakened calf, it could lead to an Achilles tendon yes. tear. Now, I am making a supposition there. I am not reporting that but i'm looking at where that ice was that ice was on the bottom and that would make all the sense in the world as to why there's so much trepidation
3: well and, and look calf injuries are really tricky injuries to begin with no matter where it is right cuz like people don't really think you don't really think about it but like to do anything at all athletically you're you use your calf right to push off to run to do anything so like if your calf is bothering you like you can't do anything so like this is the thing. Like people have been saying, Oh, well, he's just going to come back and play and he's going to be fine. But to me, like the way this has played out, like, yeah, calf injuries take a while to heal. And like the fact that he's done nothing in a month, like it's hard, even if he could somehow play tomorrow, how much can he actually give the warriors when he has, like you said, with the most he could have possibly been on the court today, is like, what, 20 minutes. That's the most he's done in a month.
2: So just to be clear, Tim, At some point on Monday, there will be some kind of announcement whether Durant will play or not play. You don't think that that will affect the outcome of the game?
3: I mean, look, I think, again, trying to make any assumptions like that is probably a little, you know, premature to try to like look ahead and just decide how it's going to go. But I will say, I think that people are overestimating the amount that Kevin can do in the game, no matter whether he plays or not. Like, I've heard people say, well, maybe he'll be 75%. I just can't, I can't see how a guy who has not played basketball in a month, that maybe did 20 minutes of activity today, is going to come back and play 30 minutes tomorrow, even if he's just kind of jogging up and down and taking some jumpers. Like, the fact, if he can get out there at all and help them, it'll be an emotional boost. He can hit a couple shots and help.
1: space the floor with his presence. Right.
3: There's no, you take Jonas Jarebko out of the lineup, say, right, like, that helps, okay? Like, that's positive. But... I would be stunned if Kevin Durant, like the Kevin Durant we've seen, just shows up tomorrow and plays 30 minutes. And that, I, that would be a, like a, a miraculous feat at this point.
1: I, I think that's what needs even more context. Kevin hasn't been able to do anything for a month, and it's worth reiterating over and over. So we're saying, in a best-case scenario, in the part the media cannot see, that Kevin was out there and they ran some kind of 3-on-3 three three or 5-on-5. Five five. Let's
3: say he played 3-on-3 three three for 20 minutes hard.
1: For for 20 minutes So that means that he's walking into Game 5 of the Finals, and that is the only thing that he has been able to do in four-plus weeks. And now people are assuming because Kevin's on the floor, he is just going to turn on the switch and be Kevin Durant like he's been all along. We don't know, as we sit here and tape this, if he's going to play. As I watched the, the events unfold, I walked out of that arena. When Steve Kerr said... He's going to practice. We feel like if he comes through it, he's going to give it a go. I thought, all right, maybe he's going to try. And he still might. But as I walked out of the arena, guys, I thought, I don't think he's playing in Game 5. Because you can't go from nothing, nothing, nothing to maybe 20 minutes to, hey, go get him.
3: Well, it's also just not fair to him at some point, right? like right. It, I mean, uh, Kevin Durant loves to play basketball. He's clearly going to play if he can possibly play. But at some point, you like look at the situation you're going into, and like, is it really fair to a guy who hasn't played in five weeks to throw him out there in this huge situation, elimination game on the road against arguably the best player in the world, who would be guarding him? Right? Like, imagine Kawhi Leonard going out there and having, you know, sixty percent Kevin Durant on the other side of him. Right? Like the, the Raptors will attack him every play. Like, I don't know. It just. This whole time we've been we've been hearing, well, he's going to be back for the start of the finals, and then for Game Three, and then for Game Four, and I'm going for Game Five, and,
0: and I, I think that has frustrated the Warriors players. I, I there's
3: no question. I think it would naturally frustrate anybody, and right. I'm sure if Kevin's got to be the most frustrated of all. For he sure. wants to play for
0: sure, and um, I think there's been some stuff out there about the, the players' frustration. You can, you if you're around the team, you can sense it. My feel is that the frustration is aimed at the situation. Yeah, then it is aimed at Kevin because I, as you said, Tim, I just can't see the guy with these kind of stakes saying, eh, I'm just going to I'm just gonna take it easy. That well, and play. if
3: you watch like Doris has talked about it, right? Like if you like, I think she talked about it on the, the podcast the other day, I think it was either with Zach or with you guys after a game where like Kevin is like totally invested in these games watching. He's like pacing around. You saw after the Raptors or the, the Warriors won here in game two, right? When Clay was hurt, he was hobbling down the hallway. Kevin was hobbling down the hallway. You've seen the videos of Kevin hyping up Steph as he's gone out to the court. Like
0: Kevin is celebrating after every big basket. Yeah, I mean he's clear. This been, guy, I, I, like, I, I was, I wasn't in the room, but I was next to him, and I, I trust me, I heard it. Yeah, like he, he's and invested. He's, he's invested in this he's outcome. Screamed, he's screaming. I wouldn't say trash talk isn't the right word, but he's like, you know, he's definitely screaming at the TV. Yeah.
3: So just to me, like, yeah, like he would play if he could play. This, this, this guy always has been a gamer who's always shown up and played. And like, again, like calf injuries are really tricky and they're really hard to come there, back from. There are people who
0: wonder why he's not on the bench with the team.
1: Oh my God. I have PTSD to Derrick Rose when you say <laughs> that. That's, That's right. all after he hurt his ACL. There was a furor in Chicago. Well, why isn't he out there? And some guys are just more comfortable in the back. And that Kevin has always been more comfortable in the uh, back.
0: You know, his fight during game uh, three when Klay didn't play, the look on his face that whole game. Miserable, Clay looked like he'd rather misery, be anywhere misery, on the planet yeah. than sitting on the bench. Right. So, you know, but he was active for that game.
1: Um, but, but Timmy brings up a, a good point in this regard. There's been so much focus on what Kevin will do this summer. And now this summer is almost upon us. We're a few right. weeks away from whatever he will decide to do. Kevin Durant loves basketball. He loves the stage of the finals. He's won the uh, finals MVP 2 years in a row and he's invested 3 years into what they're doing. So to think that he has checked out so completely where he's like, "You know what? I'm not I'm not going to play." I don't buy that. And that the, these guys have all said and and part of it is uh, it, it is because they want that message out there that we need Kevin to win. Kevin's the best player. Steve Kerr has said it repeatedly in the last six weeks or so. But he has invested his professional life into this team for three years. And you're telling me he's just sitting there now going, you know what, I don't want to risk it. As I watch Kevin, as I talk to the the people within the organization, I just get the feeling that he wants to, his body will not allow him to. It'll be interesting out. to
0: see um, when this is all over, whether it's over in, you know, in tonight or whether Monday night or whether it's over in a week um, when Kevin finally addresses this and is able to be if he chooses to be honest and just say, look, guys, I came within a, a millimeter of tearing my Achilles tendon or. They were telling me that I could tear my Achilles tendon, or I tried everything I possibly could, but it was agony for me to be out there, and I couldn't move. Like, you know, he has the opportunity to
1: set the record straight.
0: Basically, you know, make some trans. I understand it's we're talking about an injury, he, and we're talking about the finals. You don't want to give it away. I understand why they're they're not being honest. But that's one of the things you see happen after the playoffs every year. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, he's been playing with uh, cracked Look ribs Paul for George, three months. Right? Yeah. I mean, we knew Paul was. No, but you know, I mean,
3: but still, like he was playing through stuff that normally you wouldn't play through. Like, and LeBron, then you find last,
0: out. like LeBron last year, excuse me, in the finals where he um comes out with, with the we, they debuts the cast, which he got ripped for, but whatever, he had been wearing that cast for a week, you know, that he just had, he was hiding it, you know, people come clean. So it's interesting if he feels the need to clarify when this is all over.
3: Please leave a message after the tone.
0: Summer is almost here and that means it's going to event season. Concerts, baseball games, playoff games, theater, everything that makes your summer memorable comes in the form of these great events. And when you want to go to an event and you want to get a good deal on the tickets, the answer is Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with those experiences that last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, our listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person. Vivid Seats help fans find seats in their, in those favorite live events, obviously sporting events, concerts, theater, and much more. And they do it with great prices, and most importantly, an easy purchasing experience. With the podcast code HOOPS, that's H-O-O-P-S, Listeners can receive 10% off their first order with Vivid Seats. And of course, as you know already, all Vivid Seats are confirmed and they're backed by a 100% guarantee. So what do you do? You go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. The first-time customers can enter their promo code HOOPS, H-O-O-P-S, and receive 10% off that first order. Again, Vivid Seats did make this summer memorable.
2: Can I, uh, ask a different hypothetical? So, yep, 24, approximately 24 hours or 36, I don't know what date is. Uh, okay. Embiid had a tweet that just said regrets and not much specificity. But like, if we're going to just put words in his mouth, cause why not? Um, maybe Philadelphia regrets not having an opportunity at these Warriors. Do you think that the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers? I
0: asked him if he, if he thought if, if the, let's say Kawhi misses that shot. The game goes to overtime and Philly wins. Whether he, I asked him whether he, I thought Philly would have beaten Milwaukee and gotten to the finals, and you said
3: it, it would have been a, comp, a complicated series to figure out because both those teams are pretty weird. But I would have picked Philly. I would have picked Philly to win. Don't
0: go against his picks, Frito. Well,
3: look, I think I think the I think and This is a situation where the. The most obvious answer is the correct answer, right? Occam's razor. Yes, Joel Embiid was watching these games, thinking we were this close to beating the the Raptors. And if we had beat the Raptors, we'd well, be in the finals and we'd have a chance to win a championship. The guy
0: who's got to be banging his head into the wall is LeBron, because <laughs> you know he goes against them three years. They're healthy the entire way, four years, and they're healthy the entire way. Um, the you know <clears throat> LeBron's teams, the twenty fifteen team was horribly injured. And then two thousand seventeen probably would have had a chance if Durant was out. I think they probably win that series. The last year wasn't last year they might have been able to win without Durant anyway. But like LeBron's gotta be like now now is when uh, two or their three best players get hurt and miss games in the finals. He's gotta be saying regrets to himself too.
1: I have a hypothetical while we're on this. If Kevin Durant is healthy and the Warriors are the Warriors and Clay is healthy, and Looney is healthy, does a healthy Warriors group still beat a relatively healthy Raptors group.
3: I mean I, I, there's a reason I picked Raptors in seven in the first place. I mean I I think it would have been a six or seven game series. I easily Golden State I think definitely could have won. I think easily could have won, right? And look, they still could win. It's not over yet. Like they are they are a team that's been through these situations before. They were down three one and came back to in two thousand sixteen.
0: Well they they're the their big thing that I've talked about this before, but the, 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 the talk that Shane Battier gave after the Heat loss in 2014, 14 finals. Battier said, if you're not in the top 10, this numbers show If You're not a top, I think it was top 12 defensive team. You're not going to win the finals. And he goes, we were not a top 12 defensive team this year. We were much better the last three, few years. I thought maybe we could get through it because. You know, we had LeBron and we had some things go our way, but at the end of the day, we were not good enough defensively to to, to win this to win these finals. When they when they got beat four one by the Spurs in a series, they were favored. Yep. Also, another series that was one one and looked like it could go either way, but as we went on, Kawhi and Danny Green just wore them down, and it was very clear by the end who was the better team.
2: I'd be curious to know what the defensive rating is for teams that go to three straight finals, four straight finals, five straight finals. I mean, Cause it's no, pretty obvious right. that those teams start to pace themselves. Right. In the yeah, and they
3: system. also just get well. Older. But, th- but it, we can't even, we can't even boil this down further, right? In the playoffs, Golden State, I think has the eighth best defensive rating or so, I roughly. Think it's tenth. Somewhere, well, now it might be different, right? Yeah. It, they're in the middle of the pack among the 16 playoff teams in the playoffs in, the, in defensive rating. And that, this is why I thought Toronto would win the series is not like set aside the injury questions which you came in with right Golden State is not good enough defensively anymore to guard the best teams That's and we and and the reason why is something we've talked about they've barely played with Draymond Green at center in the series and the reason why is they can't because they don't have enough wing players to play that's right and that and that has been the thing that's fundamentally altered this team because in the past Steve Kirk could always go to the death lineup whether Kevin was there or not, he could always go to that when they needed it. Well, the one and this thing, year they can <clears throat> The
0: one thing is the last two summers, they have used their mid-level exception on players who have not really helped them. They used it on Nick young last year. He had had a good year the year before for the Lakers. I don't remember who their other options
3: were, but you know, that, that at the time signing Nick young, wasn't a terrible idea, but then he showed up very fat and out of shape and was awful.
0: So the thing is the, 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 Mid-level exception is the only way for them to materially improve their roster. And if you go back and look at the Heat, they used the mid-level exception to add Shane Battier. And Ray and, Allen. And Ray Allen. Like, those were important moves. I mean, they still aged out. Um, the They used it on Nick Young, who they didn't keep. Ideally, you would have signed a player there who could have been with you. And
3: by the way, they years. only signed him to a one-year deal, unlike those guys for the Heat, because of tax concerns.
0: Yes, but... I'm they were
3: saying they might have been able to get a better player on a multi-year deal if they were willing to pay him last year. That but could
0: be true, but even if you if Nick Young had worked out, they would have had his rights. They had limited rights on him. They could have kept him and signed Cousins. So they, so they, they. I don't want to say it was a whiff because they won the title, but they didn't. No, take- it, it
3: was a whiff because they almost lost the Rockets because they didn't have enough wing players. Okay, either. so
0: then they come in this year and and they're still now a, 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 probably a wing short because they needed a wing when they signed Nick Young. He didn't work out. So instead of going and getting the best wing that mid-level could, could get, they rolled the dice on Demarcus Cousins. Everybody celebrates thinking that they've added an all-star. I mean, I, th- I, I wasn't looking at it like, boy, you should add a wing. I was looking at it. You're adding a guy with a torn Achilles. Don't think he's going to be an all-star. It was what I was saying, but, and what they really need now is somebody to help them on the wing. They're out there playing Alfonso McKinney, who is,
3: Forget the guys they You're are playing. Prospect. Forget the guys they are playing. Again, their best lineup for the entire run they've had has been with Draymond Green at center. They cannot play that lineup because they don't have enough bodies. They don't even right. have the bodies to play well, that way if they want if to. Obviously, if they
0: had one of the great wings of all time in Durant, that that would help. But they, because Sean Livingston is basically at, on his last legs and because Durant is hurt, they really could use that wing. And they're, and they're relying on McKinney and they're relying on Quinn Cook...
1: Who both got wide
3: open looks in game four and just missed.
0: Well, and with all due respect, that's why they're Alfonso well, McKinney and Queen Cook.
3: Well, in the one game in the series Golden State has won, right? What was the difference? The other guys Queen Cook hitting well. two threes. Quinn in Cook the hit three or four huge shots from three. I think he hit four threes. Three of them in the second half that were huge. DeMarcus Cousins had fifteen points, right? They had their other guys made some plays. That was the one time those guys also, made plays. That was
0: also the best offensive game that they had.
3: Right, it was. But but they need those guys to make shots. Because, right. like we've talked about several times, for Golden State without Durant, this is a math problem, right? I think Steph and Clay for them to win tomorrow, have to score at least 60 points, assuming Kevin doesn't play. You're
1: saying combined?
3: Yes. I've said that every game. That for them to win, they, they haven't need, gotten there yet. They haven't got there yet. The one game they did win... Obviously, Clay got hurt. They had the weird boxing one. They didn't score the last eight minutes. Got, it, got over the finish line, right? But they got there because those other guys gave them points. And they have right. to manufacture points from guys. Like, Quinn Cook got three or four wide-open threes in Game 4. He missed them all.
0: Right. And in Game 4, Steph had 28 and Clay had 27 or vice versa. Yeah.
3: They so, got to 55.
0: Yeah. Which, by the way, is about what they averaged. Right. I mean, they, they
3: both played well but they have to be exceptional to win against this Toronto team without Kevin because they just don't I'm, have enough scoring.
0: I, I'm just saying like one of the re- like you've heard me talk over the years about their huge margin for error. And their margin for error has been chipped away for several reasons. One obviously the Durant injury. But part of the reason their margin for error is there is because their supporting cast is weakened because they haven't hit on their mid-level exception in the last 2 years.
3: Please leave a message after the tone.
0: Andrew, I felt really bad the other day when we were in LA, and you were out um, wiping your beautiful car off because it got some dust on it. I know you're really you're concerned about the finish on the car, um, and I know that you're a busy man because you got these podcasts produced, you got to do all this editing. So you want to wax your car, but you don't have the time. Well, I'm so happy to tell you that there's a totally new product. That only takes minutes to apply, but gives you the same protection on your sweet ride from as a full wax, saving you hours spent in the garage or the driveway. It's new 303 Touchless Sealant. It offers protection and shine in just minutes. Also, it lasts up to two times longer than traditional wax. Simply wash your car as you normally would, and while it's still wet, spray 303 Touchless Sealant on one section at a time and rinse it off. It's that easy. see the water beating on the surface immediately, meaning your paint is now protected. It works great and is safe on clear coat, single stage paint, gel coat, fiberglass, plastic, even your wheels. It's also great on your windshield and other glass. You can find 303 touchless sealant at O'Reilly Auto Parts or learn more by texting 303 to 313131 now. That's 303 to 313131 now.
2: I just had a weird thought and it's unrelated to this current series but irrespective of anything else that's going to happen in free agency if Durant does not resign with the Warriors I'm having a hard time thinking that they'd be the favorite to win the title next year for exactly the reason you just listed Brian they don't have they have a weak supporting cast Sean Livingston's going to age out Iguodala is starting to age out and they can't replace anyone well
0: d- d- here's an d- interesting scenario If Durant were to leave, I believe that the Warriors should seriously consider offering at least one first-round pick and potentially even two first-round picks to do a sign-and-trade with Durant. So let's say, for example, that the Knicks, let's say Durant would want to go play for the Knicks. If I were the Warriors, I would say, can we please do a sign-and-trade with you? So that, not necessarily that they would get players back from the Knicks, but they would get that thirty-five million dollar trade exception, which they could start to they could at least use to help replace them. If they didn't get a player, like if they couldn't get one of the Knicks' young players back, I'm not sure you'd give multiple picks. But if you could, because they're going to be way over the cap when they sign Clay, Right. right? So. That, that has gotta be one thing, you know, they, you know, in all honesty, because this is only a couple of weeks away, they've gotta have a Durant walks plan in their pocket. And they're not gonna have cap space. So, that is, and, and no, and like, if, if Durant wants to sign with the Clippers, for example, like if he says, I'm gonna sign with the Clippers, the Clippers are saying, hit the bricks, Golden State, good luck, eat our dust, hang up the phone they're not doing that deal because they're not going to help a team in their own division much less their own conference. The Knicks especially or the or the Nets especially if you're like, look, we're going to we're going to need extra assets to help build around these guys. I could see them well, doing. What if, it. For
3: example, say the Knicks say he goes to the Knicks, right? We're going to be super hypothetical. You could then turn one or two of those picks around in an Anthony Davis trade, right?
0: Right. Now the the reason that the Knicks or the Nets wouldn't do it is because if you receive a player in a sign and trade, hard cap you hard cap yourself, and you could only go so far above. But that would be that would be hard for them to reach that
3: for the Knicks, especially, would be very hard to reach. Look, it's something they it's something they're going to need to do. Um, to your point, though, Andrew, I, I wouldn't necessarily go that far for a couple of reasons. I think a healthy Golden State, like part of this, if if all these guys go to the Eastern Conference, right, the Western Conference is going to be fairly weak at the top next year. It already was fairly weak at the top this year, um, outside of Golden State. And I think as you start to game things out, right? Like, let's say, for example, Kawhi stays and Kevin Durant goes to the East. You're going to have, you might What have,
1: team would you pick out of the West in that scenario I right pick now? Golden State. To come all the way through into would, the finals? My question well, does was, the,
3: it, do the Lakers get Anthony Davis? My question <laughs> is
1: not that whether I don't the, care. the Warriors
2: win the West. My question is whether well, no, they would be the
3: titles. No, team. but what I was going to say was, what I was going to say was if you think they're the best team in the West, Right, and they're going to get out of the West. Then they're going to, at minimum, be in the mix to like you, you go into a final series thinking they've got a shot. I didn't say that they that they wouldn't be in the well, mix. I just said
0: well, if like if you're the Denver Nuggets, and you're a Denver Nuggets fan, you are rooting like hell. Come on, Knicks. Come on, Nets. Come take Kevin Durant. Right,
3: and and everybody who roots for Western Conference teams should be rooting for Kawhi to stay, because there's a scenario. Or go to the Knicks. Well, okay, sure, but stay in the East. But I think more likely than not, if he stays in the East, he's going to stay here. Because there's a scenario where next year you could have star, you could have the Raptors with Kawhi. You could have the Celtics still be pretty good, even if Kawhi, even if Kyrie leaves. Celtics weeds,
0: could get Anthony Davis.
3: They could, but even let's say they don't get Anthony Davis or Kyrie. If Kyrie comes back, they're still going to be pretty good. They're, you, they're looking at being a five seed, but okay, the, they'll be they're a pretty good team though. You okay. have the Knicks and Nets, both who are capable of signing multiple max players of free agency. And oh, by the way, you have Philly. Who's going to have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and probably at least one of Tobias Harris and Jimmy Baller. And oh, by the way, they have, you have Giannis Dettacupo and in Milwaukee. the East. Yeah, That's six teams already in the East. Plus you got Atlanta who in future is going to be like the East is going to look really good. Meanwhile, start to go through the teams in the West. Like Denver's Houston way up there. With Chris Paul's right, contract. Right, Houston well, is going well, this well, way. Well. Golden State is starting to go this way to Andrew's point. You've got Uh,
2: just so that the listeners are aware. Bondemps is making a downward slope with his hand. Sorry, they're they're going. This is a podcast. That's true.
3: They're going down. Fair, fair point, Andrew. My point is, I think that I think that people are a little premature saying that Golden State's window is like over after this. But I do think, to your point, Andrew, before they are going to have to really make a lot of things happen this summer to stay at the same level they've been because they are already slipping. Some with Durant, and if he leaves. Well, Audrey Iguodala is getting much older. Sean Livingston might be retiring. Their 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 this it, core is going it, to be going away. It makes
0: you wonder if they can. I've said this before. It makes you wonder if they would consider trading trading Draymond Green.
3: Well, that might be on the table anyway. I mean, there's a lot on the table. I mean, it's a huge summer for them, no matter what Durant does. So,
0: okay, so here's something else that's worth pointing out. We saw that the Blazers <clears throat> were basically not up to not up to snuff for a conference finalist, and we see Joel and B talking about regrets. We know that Milwaukee is pretty good; they have some flaws, but they're pretty good.
1: They got some regrets. Um,
0: Remember,
3: Milwaukee let's, went to let's, double let's, overtime we, in Game Three. Up to we too might well. be
0: able to retire the concept that the West is.
3: Well, what have I said all year? I Lakers said, stunk and I they weren't good four, enough. I said
1: what four. Else? I said four. Walker is better than Kyrie Irving. I mean, I got a few here. Well, I, mean,
3: <laughs> I, think, I think a lot more people in Boston might agree with me now after the way the season's gone. Uh, I would say that um, I've thought all year the four best teams in the league outside of Golden State were at the top of the East. Now, Boston was a little worse than everyone expected, but Philly, Milwaukee, Toronto – I think we are all clearly have shown in this playoffs to be a step above everybody in the West. And that's before we look at what's going to go on this summer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think they would say this publicly, but if you talk to the Toronto people privately, they would tell you that Philly was a much... I mean, they won one well, series in seven. Yeah, they, they I'll just say this.
3: After Game 3 in Philly, I was there. There was concern. After Game 2 in Milwaukee, even though they were down 2-0 in the series, there was not the same level of concern. Part of that was because they had made it through the fire and got through a series like that against Philly. Part of it's also they just were very confident they were going to figure out a way to beat the Bucs. And the the Sixers, with their size and their weird team, was a lot tougher matchup for them for sure. But I do think
0: at the end of the day, the reason this is a 3-1 series is not necessarily just because Kawhi is awesome. It is a 3-1 series because the Raptors are just a dramatically better defensive team than the Warriors. And, the and they're a
3: much deeper team.
0: That they're deeper even when Durant's healthy. Right. Now Imagine
3: what Steve Kerr would do for Norman Powell right now.
0: That's the thing, Norman Powell. That's a great point. He would play
3: 37 minutes a I game. I don't know
0: about 37, but Norman Powell will be getting major minutes for the Warriors right now.
3: Absolutely. If Norman Powell Absolutely. put on Jacob
0: Evans' jersey yet tomorrow and tried to slip in, and nobody, he would. Um, the, the Warriors would be a vastly improved team.
1: As we have gone through the entire, and OG
0: Anunoby hadn't even he hadn't even
1: done anything yet. As as we've gone through this whole conversation, though, the thought that keeps coming up in my head is this: I am not ready, even if the Warriors lose Game Five and the Raptors win the title, to say the dynasty is over. There are so many proud guys in that locker room, and so much talent still that I think that the the window is still open for them, depending on the moves as we've outlined, for them to win something else. What I would say is, having been around this team every day this year, they are emotionally exhausted. And when you go to five straight finals and you're playing all those extra games and you're having all those extra minutes on all those guys, as talented and as great as Steph and Clay and Draymond and KD are, even if Kevin stays, I've struggled in my head to think next year, to Andrew Hahn's point, point. They're the favorite or, or we should believe that they can win again. As I've watched them go through all the stuff off the floor, the stuff with Kevin, if he does leave, maybe they are re-energized and people will say, Oh, you can't do it. And I think there is something to that, but they are emotionally exhausted.
3: Well, and look, part of, part of the thing that's played out in this series, right? Like everybody was making a big deal today about how the Raptors walked off the court in game four and they were just all stone face, right? Like, This Raptors team, to Brian's earlier point, why they've reminded me of the last couple months of the 2011 Mavs. Like that team was a collection of veterans who like came together at the right time. Basically none of them had won, right? And they rode that all the way through and they were just locked in. And this Raptors team going back to the, I talked to Kyle Lowry in Brooklyn, like the right before the end of the regular season. And even then Kyle was like, there's only one thing that matters. That's winning a title. It's not getting to the finals. I said, like, look, you guys have made the finals. Like, what would that mean? You'd be like, well, I mean, we're one step closer to a title. This was a team that ever since they traded for Marcus especially, this was a team that thought its, its ceiling was we can get on a stage with this team and win. And as they've gone through these playoffs, and they've dealt with the ups and downs. They were down and either tied or down in every series. When people kept counting them out, they were like, we're going to be fine. And as they've gone through this series, especially – I think that's really carried them through because to your point, Golden State's dealt with all this noise all year about what's Kevin going to do. They have these injuries, all this other stuff, and they just look exhausted mentally and physically. And, and Toronto is just getting stronger.
0: I have a term for what you were describing, Nick, or I've talked, I've read about this before is organizational fatigue. It's not even just the fatigue of the players. It's the fatigue of the entire organization. It absolutely happened to the, the heat. It absolutely happened to the calves. We may be organizational fatigue.
3: It happened to that Lakers team in two thousand four. Yes, was the end of that. And run it too. happened.
0: It, and it and it to a, to a lesser extent happened to the Lakers team
3: when they went to the in two thousand eleven. F- they yeah. got they got drummed out in the second round by the Mavs. It's
2: uh it's very funny that you thought of the two thousand four Lakers and Pistons, Brian, because two days ago, in uh, our editorial staff was talking about that exact same comparison, how. The Pistons fired their 2003 coach of the year. Car- Carlisle hired Larry Brown. Obviously, the Raptors did the same. There was the Marcus All trade. There's the Rashid Wallace trade. Like, there are a lot of weird similarities between those two teams.
3: Yeah, and they also were also two incredible defensive teams.
0: They were a great, they were a great defensive team, except for instead of being proud to hold the opponent to 109, they were holding the 72. That was so it was just the
3: worst basketball ever played different from 2002 NBA. to 2006. Uh, different
0: NBA. Well, To your point about um, the Raptors being different, let's just remember that it was just a few years ago that Masai Ujiri would go out before the first game and said, F Brooklyn, and then the next year took a shot at Washington. It was a complex shot, but he did the exact same thing. And even a year ago, because they had had that such long game one losing streak, they celebrated game one. I mean, this was a team that was celebrating – game ones of round one a year ago. And now, and Nick Nurse said this today, basically the core four, you know, which is Kawhi, Lowry, Gasol, Danny Green, three of which are new. The core four, which is setting the tone for that team. And I remember I was standing, you know, outside their locker room after game one when they had that great first game win. Danny Green's walking back there going, Just one, just one. And I know that that's common, but common sense. But to have somebody in that locker room to be leading that, it it makes a huge difference.
3: Please leave a message after the tone.
0: Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, as you know if you listen to this podcast, hiring can be easy. And you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ziprecruiter.com slash collective ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate, Within the first day, which leaves more time to talk about the nba And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this address. You know it. ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash collective for great hiring options and great basketball support as well, which we never overlook. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
2: Is there something else you want to talk about? Or otherwise I have a different, hope oh, wildly different question.
0: Okay. We need to wrap up soon, right? So go ahead.
2: Does this finals run or this, this showdown suggest that uh, the median NBA player is good enough now where it's hard for super teams to win. So like you had the Wade, Bosch, LeBron, Heat that just overwhelmed teams with the, the sheer top end talent. The Warriors have Steph, Clay, Durant, Draymond, granted Durant's not playing in these finals, but that's just the guys that were healthy were typically good enough. But uh, Toronto has Kawhi, and then Lowry is also very good. But then a lot of guys that are just like well, solid. No, no, no.
3: See this, this is this is the this is the thing that has annoyed me, frankly, about this entire something run. has annoyed you. Well, yeah, never you're happens. kidding me. Never happens, buddy. Toronto is really good. Like this is a great team. Pascal Siakam next year is going to be an all-NBA forward. Uh, Or at least in the conversation again, he was this year. Kyle Lowry is an all-star point guard. Kawhi Leonard is, at this point, maybe the best player on the planet. Marcus Gasol is still a really good defensive player. Danny Green is one of the elite 3&D players in the league. Serge Ibaka is the best, probably, backup big man in the league, I would say, now, right? Now that he's fully coming off the bench, or at least in the conversation. Fred Van one of the best backup point guards in the league. Like, this team is really good. So, yeah, like, they don't have... Four in their prime stars to beat Golden State. That's, this is exactly the point that I make. Well, no, but, but you were, but this was like, this isn't about the median NBA player, though. This is a team that's got like I eight think, really I, good I players. Think it's
0: really comparable to both the 04 Pistons and 11, and 11 Mavericks. Cause you look, you think back at that Mavericks team, Sean Marion, Jason Terry, Jason Kidd, Tyson Chandler, all like, you know, there were all stars in there and Kidd is a Hall of Famer, but he was at the end of his career. Uh, or towards the end of his career um you look at that Pistons team it was <clears throat> Rashid Ben Wallace Chauncey Billups Rip Hamilton Tayshawn Prince uh Dark Darko
3: Darko hanging um, around
0: but you know all like really good veteran guys you look at this team and you know Serge doesn't get doesn't get included in that core four but he might as well be i mean he's He's played deep in the playoffs a lot of time, I and mean, they have five really established veterans. So, um, your point, Andrew, is that you know I would almost say this: I think the the more, sort of the moral of the story is <clears throat> for all these teams that are you know thinking that they're going to build themselves with youth, you better look for along the way to get a few really experienced, good guys in there because that's a that's really important too. Yeah,
3: well, and look, like I think I think more that I think Andrew more what it says than like is this uh, like the, the super teams like this is how you beat them. I think it's just that under the current structure of the league, right, with the current salary structure that's in place, with the way the rules are set up, it's kind of impossible to be better than the Warriors have been in this five year run for longer than this. Because like of this, the,
0: because of the cap spike, which well, has driven everybody in the league crazy, right.
3: And if and if the cap spike doesn't happen, Kevin Durant's not on the Warriors in the same form, and things are much different still, right? But like, it, like look at all the flaws we're talking about with this Golden State team, right? They still have four, maybe five Hall of Famers. You count Andre dollar right? Who still is good, and they haven't been able to replenish the, the depth around them. Now they've had some bad drafting, whatever. But like, and and the, obviously the mid level could have been better. But like, you have to be so perfect on that other stuff that even with this talent, you still need to supplement it if you're going to win. And if you don't, or if you make a couple mistakes, then even with all these guys still relatively in their prime or close to it, you don't have enough because you just can't fundamentally add that many pieces.
0: Which is why if Durant actually left the Warriors, even if he went with Kyrie to form a quasi super team, whatever, it would be tremendous for the league because as you said there'd be a whole bunch of teams gunning for the title next year. Potentially could have one or two good teams in New York, one or two good teams in L.A. Still have Houston relevant. Still, Golden State would still be relevant. Still, still, Golden State still be relevant. Milwaukee still there you, you you next year would be a complete toss-up some of the big markets would be better this is the way the league is more appropriately set up you're not supposed to have this clustering of stars that's what the caps that's what the salary cap and luxury tax is supposed to prevent they just were able to circumvent it because of that extraordinary set of circumstances
3: right right no no question and that that's why that scenario I laid out before right like to your point imagine what will be going on at Olympic Tower if on July 15th you have two stars on the Knicks, a star on the Nets. The Celtics still good. Kawhi here, Giannis in Milwaukee, Embiid and if only
0: the Bulls were any good.
3: I, I wasn't going to say
1: it. Well, Let the record show, Mister well, Winhurst, I that I was that. not going to say. And then it. And even
3: still, but... again in the West, you have Golden State, you have Houston, you have an upcoming Denver team. You have. It seems like that there, there would be the league would be as wide open as it's ever been, and it would it would be amazing if that worked out that way.
0: Well, I have as I've been as I've been saying, I. I I very well, when we do our next podcast after the game Monday, we very well could be saying, "Yep, this is just like that Spurs team, and just like that Pistons team that just wound down the team we thought was better, beat up the old, old, the uh, tired team." That well, Brian Brian
3: team. made a prediction before Game Four, just like he made a prediction before Game Four of the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't make predictions. Uh, he doesn't make predictions. Brian said before Game Four of the Eastern Conference Finals that whoever won the game would win the series. He was right. Brian said before game four, the NBA finals, whoever won the game would win the series. We'll I, see I've, if he's right. I would.
0: my experience
3: was telling he you made that. a prediction. Now we'll see if he's right. <laughs> I am uh,
2: not going to put this to Brian, but just to Nick and you, Tim, uh, Nick has to go back to Oakland. No matter what <laughs> are the rest of us going back to Oakland, Tim,
3: I think that the series is going to end tomorrow. Um, I don't think Kevin is going to play. I think if he does play, he's going to be very limited. And is there a scenario where Golden State could win? Absolutely. I do think that is true, especially if Toronto, which they have both in Game 5 and Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals and in Game 4, their other guys come out and miss a billion shots early, right, and give Golden State some life and get a lead. But I think that in the end, just like in Game 6 here in the Eastern Conference Finals, Toronto can sense this now. They can taste it. And I think these guys are going to get it done.
1: I would guess that the series ends Monday night.
0: I'm taking my cue from Nick who just talked to you about how emotionally fatigued they are. I think that's a really important point. Um,
3: you could just, you could just sense, you could just sense in the building on Friday, like everybody walked into the building on Friday thinking, all right, Clay's going to come back. Maybe Kevin's gonna play. Well, at that point, Kevin was out. But like Clay's gonna be back. The crowd's gonna be going crazy. This team that's won these championships here, like they're gonna they're gonna stand up and they're gonna play great and they're gonna win. And when they didn't, like in that fourth Steph, quarter, you could just Steph, feel the air come out of the building.
0: Steph could could have another great game in him, but he's already played one great game in the series.
1: And are we gonna get the same Clay? Clay was unbelievable. That, guys. that is
3: not that has not been talked about in nearly enough. In game four, he was.
1: Unbelievable on a bad hamstring. So
0: they they got a great clay game and a great stuff game and they lost them both and they were both at home. And you know Kawhi, I don't see him slowing down. I don't see him slowing down at all. In fact, I actually think he's looked whatever leg injury was bothering him, I think he's looked better. He,
3: walking game. off the podium even said to Nick, he looked as good like just walking around today as I've seen him in a while. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you for seeing the Hoop Collective. Pretty soon, we'll be in free agency, guys. And that's when it's really going to get crazy. We well, we'll have swift draft before then. Ah, screw the draft. <laughs> thank you for seeing the Hoop Collective.
1: <laughs>
0: have a nice day.